Welcome to the Minx and Muse podcast. I'm your host, Crimson Minx, creatrix of Minx and Muse, a dark feminine playhouse where we awaken our innate magic through esoerotic dance and witchcraft. Welcome to the Portal of Enchantment. Welcome, Bluebird, to uh, the Minx Abuse podcast. How are you today? I'm wonderful. I'm so honored and excited to have been asked to be a part of this. Thank you. Um, gosh, absolutely. Honor is all mine. I'm super grateful that you were able to do this. And the reason why you came to mind is because we, you know, at Minx Abuse, we have studio archetypes of the month that we work with. And this month, it is... It's August 2023, and we are focused on the Swamp Witch. And there is, yes, uh, there's so much (laughs) about the Swamp Witch, about like being connected to nature and a feralness and an operating outside of established systems. And I felt like you were a true embodiment of a local witch who I would say is a local Swamp Witch. And I feel like you would be totally honored to be (laughs) given that. the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's a good thing. And so I want to just introduce you. You have a, uh, well, you live in Bastrop, which for those who aren't familiar with Austin, it's about 45 minutes outside of Austin. Um, You own a shop called Homespun Wisdom. And I was just there last week, actually. I was there when you first got the building, and now I've seen it all completely built out, and it's absolutely beautiful and magical. And I want to hand it over to you to first just tell me, like, what – because you're not just like, oh, I'm a witch shop or this. You have really deep Mm -hmm. uh, reasoning for wanting to have opened that shop, so – yeah, I would, you know, it has, it's a lifetime of formation and it's, it's a shop, but it's a lot more than that. It's more of a vision and a way of life. Um, the, you know, archetype of the swamp, which is one of getting out of the standard operating society and going off and being your authentic true self. And my father did that when I was like, my daddy is my swamp witch archetype (laughs) master. Uh, And when I, without going into all of it, but when I was seven, I was in first grade. He bought land out in Magnolia, which at the time was completely just woods. And over the course of the next eight years, built a log house, a 3000 square foot log house, mind you, not just a cabin. Uh, by his own hand, all the doors, all the beadboard he cut, he made all the windows. He didn't know how to do any of it. He wasn't trained as a carpenter or anything. And he would uh, sit down. Pre YouTube. Yeah, pre YouTube video. (laughs) The late 70s, early 80s. He had the book Back to Basics. And my grandfather, my mother's father, who was a master carpenter, who made all the furniture in the First National Bank in Dallas in the 40s and um, the library, the library in Dallas. Wow. And so he would sit with him and they would draw up plans and they lived in East Texas. And then he'd come back to Magnolia and take those handwritten, hand-drawn plans and put them to work. And if it didn't work, he'd burn it in the burn pile and start again. But he made all the furniture. All the furniture in my shop is made by my father uh, 50 years ago. And so what I really just kind of grew up in the soup of craftsmanship, but beyond craftsmanship, like archaic anarchy life of living, like living the life that you want to do, regardless of like, why are you taking your whole family out to the woods when you could live in a suburb in Houston? He had, he was an air traffic controller by trade and a degree in physics. And we lived in a barn with a wood-burning stove, this one right here, that functioned as our heat and our food, and we bathed in water hose, and we lived like that while he built this house. And it was the happiest time of my life, and what it really did build into me is 
our mat like it's a na- magic is a natural outpouring of anarchy in a way in our sovereignty and I really want to talk about anarchy but what happens is when we step out of all of the systems and we're left to our own devices and no one to govern us it's us and the universe and our intuition and calling down the gifts that are ours and it's really where magic is at his its rawest form and homespun wisdom is celebrating that craftsmanship supporting the local supply chain putting us where we're no longer dependent on systems so that we can rebirth our true authentic selves and provide a space for to be magical so we are a gift shop, a teaching facility. We teach cottage industry, homesteading skills, and also opening Cedar and Sage, which is focusing on inner healing and personal growth and finding the authentic true will. So the name of my business is Homespun Wisdom Crafty Goodness, because homespun wisdom is what we have learned when we step out of the system and we start teaching ourselves and questioning our belief systems and coming into our own sovereignty and our own wisdom. That's homespun wisdom. And when we really capture that, we begin to see our own natural talents and skill sets and desires and how we want to make an imprint in the realm. And that imprint is our crafty goodness. I am obsessed and I feel like I'm lacking in a lot of these skills, but I think the idea is in a society like this or a situation like this, we all bring our own natural talents. But the idea is, which I love that you do at the shop, is you teach uh, things that like soap making. Yeah. Like like something so like homesteading type things, like how do you like make and preserve your own food? How do you work with herbs? How do you grow your own herbs? Things like this that may seem almost like quaint yeah, to people, which it's like, no, do you understand how radical that is to be able to do something like make soap and grow herbs as like a systemic challenge? It is. It really is. And even we have a, a seed library. You do. Um, so we have a seed library. The seed library is the borrow, grow, return seed library. And, you know, 50% of our seed is under the control of big agro. And anarchy is seed saving and and making our... So all of it is like, we are so under these control systems that we have lost our identity, our individual identity and homespun is really about that positive personal anarchy that is putting us in a position where we can take care of ourselves because we know now that the supply chain can fail. Mm-hmm. It can fail. You can go to Walmart and there will be nothing on the counter and you can't even make a bar of soap. You're fucked. Yeah. Like you can't <laughs> do anything. So the tagline of the business is old world skills for new world pioneers. And whether we like it or not, we are all pioneering a new world. And this is the place where sovereignty and anarchy, positive person, I'm not talking about the tearing down of governments. I'm talking about becoming a government of your own, governing ourselves and honoring the government of other individuals, the sovereign governments of all the people around us. I'm glad you drew that distinction because I think a lot of times people think anarchy and there to me, I have almost like an immature association with it where it's like, let's go out and get drunk and fuck the government. And you know, where it's like, no, 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 this is like a conscious anarchy. It's a way yes. of, 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 of taking on personal responsibility versus just saying, fuck you, that's not working, but also not my problem. So that's the difference kind of between rebellion and anarchy. And I want to make a distinction here because rebellion is uh, coming up against a recognized authority. That means the authority is recognized by you. Like you are saying this is right 
this is the authority, but I'm not going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's wrong. And that is kind of rebellion when your kids, you know, are like, you don't want your kids to sneak out and drink and drive and go with the boy who, you know, is saying, they know all of that is right. They know it's going to, it's for their good, but they're rebelling against it. Right. And this is not rebellion, which is very much a tearing down of recognized authority but it is an anarchy which is establishing that I don't, I'm a government unto myself. It's the absence of authority. The whole idea of anarchy being tied up with rebellion was very intentional, very intentional, because it was a way for people, most anarchists at the beginning and all through are peacefully separating from society and honoring their own sovereignty and living their dream and doing their own thing. And that is a threat to systems across the board. And so you get this like punk movement in the 80s and in the 70s and in the 60s where they start really attaching these, attempting to tear down negative systems with anarchy. And this was put together intentionally. So we have in our mind, like the punk rocker and the, you know, sort of the skinhead is associated with anarchy. And that is very intentional. Yeah. The sex pistols and all of that, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. so which appealing, we which we love. And as a teenager, I was like, that is the coolest. Mm -hmm. And as an adult, I was like, well, that, what, that wasn't actually as. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually not taking personal responsibility. It's, you know, it's harming ourselves in a lot of ways and harming other people. So as soon as I go in and start destroying my community in the name of anarchy, I'm destroying myself and others. And yes. that's not what we're talking about. That is something that we brought up with the Swamp Witch was this idea that there is a difference between being uh, creating your own sovereign way of thinking and not adhering to established systems that are no longer working versus being self-destructive. Exactly. And we're not talking about that. And two different things. And sovereignty is that you keep using that word. And I it's actually a value of the studio. One of our studio mm -hmm. values is sovereignty. And I do feel like sovereignty is an aspect of the witch. This yeah. idea which and, and sovereignty with sovereignty comes huge responsibility because all of a sudden you're you're radically responsible for your life and the world around you. And it can be it's not easy. Sometimes it would be easier to just say, tell me what to do. Oh, yeah. Tell me what to believe. Tell me, just tell me how to act, what to buy, where to show up, and I'll do it. It is easier. So this is not like a lazy person's way way of going about things. So if anyone's getting that, I'm sure anyone listening yeah, at this point has no. kind of tapped into that. But it's, you know, it's a, it's a huge responsibility to be sovereign. It is, and it's an ongoing shifting change because what sovereignty looks like when you're uh, 15 and what sovereignty looks like when you're 35 is very different. What sovereignty looks like when you have four kids and when your kids are out of the house or, you know, it looks very different. And we have to have this ongoing conversation with ourselves around, okay, what, because we do tend towards building and aligning with systems out of default. And so we have to constantly come back in and say, how much of what I'm doing at this point in my life, am I doing because I, it's in alignment with my authentic will? And how much am I doing because it's expected of me or because I'm afraid to let other people fall where I'm all in other people's business? And teaching sovereignty starting from childhood all the way up, you know, parents, it's hard. I, I get a government wanting everyone want because it does. Order makes things easier for the people in control. And I think the key for us is to um, recognize that my decisions are do affect other people around me in very real ways. So I want to have compassion for how my decisions affect others and be compassionate 
in my decisive action that is most alignment with myself, right? So some of my decisions are going to rock your boat. Yeah. And I recognize that this is hard for you, for me to step into this and I have compassion for you. And that's not rebellion. That's not like, fuck you. I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. That is like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, but I recognize that it's hard for you. And I would like to honor your experience in this as well. It's not rebellion. It's not, I'm going to go steal your shit because I want Mm -hmm. it. And because that's, you know, my free will type situation, that's counterproductive to everyone. Yeah. It's not a fuck you. I'm going to do what I want. It is a... Bless you. I'm going to go over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go do and, this. <laughs> and it's that, it's that with that, there, there requires a level of consciousness, I think. It and does. I think, and, and a level of deprogramming because quite, and I know, I knew we were going to go a little, a little, get a little weird on this one. And I think people are, are, are here for it. But this <laughs> idea of like, you, ha- like we can be so programmed just by television, by media, oh, by public school. That's the whole purpose yeah, of it. Right. Yes. Become like worker bees and be obedient, mm-hmm. things like that. And so there's a lot of, we were raised in a way to be programmed to, to be um, not question authority, not question systems and just, okay, now there's no toilet paper on the shelves. Well, like now I'm, I, I don't even understand like how the, the system is so big and beyond me that I'm just going to start yeah. fights, fights with people within my community in the aisle of the store, which like, how is this, like, is this really the society we want to live in? Exactly. And, and I think that when I look at like this, the definition that I have created for anarchy is that it is this intentional confrontation of self-limiting beliefs and systems and the formation and dissolution of boundaries in any given society that we're finding ourselves through decisive action and compassion for others and, and how our decisions affect others, right? So we're in these systems and there, it doesn't matter. Like we have some default ones where we're like, oh, people coming out of Christian programming or people coming out of, you know, public school or whatever. As soon as you get comfortable in any system that you enter, you begin to establish authorities in that system that over time are fine, but then you change and we have to come back to, okay, I'm let my boundary. I'm going to put up some boundaries here. I'm going to put down some boundaries there. I'm going to make some decisions that are more, I'm going to feel into who I really am. What do I really want now? How things have changed and shifted. Where are my skill sets and and constantly having this insurrection of our own self inside our own, this tyranny, like we create tyrannical systems inside our brain and we can have to be like, we start freaking out whenever the, sis, the big system shuts down or the threat of the big system shutting down. It's really scary. And a lot of people are being driven by the fear of the system failing us. And the more we can go into our sovereign space and the more we allow ourselves to come up against these these systems in our own self, that's where we can begin to feel secure. Again, it's really about finding security, right? I oftentimes would be like, you know, oh, I would love to do this, but I can't. And the I can't is all of the things that we're putting in our own head, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and there's this idea that the, the back and forth is is a bad thing. It's actually being comfortable with the back and forth and growing and learning from it and reconciling that that conscious output from it like yeah. i feel like people 
have this utopian idea of like there is a larger system that there is a right and a wrong. And when we just put the right people in power, they will do the right things and yes. everything will be perfect. And that is not how humans work. There is, no. that is, that is impossible because there's no way that one system is going to serve all of the people. Um, and there's no way that there can't, without the back and forth, there's not going to yeah. be um, injustices brought to life. There's not going to be like dissension that could actually create like even um, more equitable systems, things like that. Exactly. So th it's, it's almost like utopian, this concept of like the wrong people are in power. When we put the right people in power, everything's going to be perfect. And so exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's so limited to the people who think are the right people. And that's why we're in this loop because who you think are the right people are and somebody else thinks the right people are is that's where the battle is continually going. And if everybody, so this idea of like attacking the system and bringing it down is like kind of an emphasis to authentic anarchy because anarchy starts with me and me looking at my internal systems and doing radical things to bring myself into alignment with my authentic will and begin to recognize my own gifts and powers and to walk in that, right? And if everybody did it and I'm, I'm having compassion and honoring the sovereignty of other people, those systems would naturally fall away because we begin to govern ourselves and recognize I'm not killing somebody because there's a law. <laughs> Like that's there wasn't not, a law, you know, I'd be just killing I'd everyone just be left killing and right. Everybody left and right, right? Like I'm not like these laws are are not preventing good people who are governing themselves from doing bad things. They're really in place for other reasons, right? And yeah. it kind of comes down to: Do you believe that most people are mostly good most of the time? And most people are mostly good most of the time. And most people are a good governor unto themselves, especially when we're holding ourselves. Like that, that one of the odd side effects of true anarchy is social cohesion. We build our relationships because if I'm authentically being who I am always, and you're always authentically, I, now I know who you are and I can trust you more. And so when we're in a world where everybody's got on a mask of good behavior or expected behavior rather, I don't like the terms good and bad, but of the expected behavior, because that applies to any and all ages and all communities, right? But if everybody's wearing a mask of expected behavior, can we trust anybody? Please, I don't know who's really real and who's not real. If we just went on Tinder <laughs> or Hinge and had everybody be their authentic self with <laughs> real pictures and no touch-ups and this is, you know, I'm living with the basement, my mom with the basement and, <laughs> you know, we would be able to trust our our world more right through authentic expression yeah and i think maybe people wouldn't be looking for other outlets to try to um to try to like find acceptance or try to find because i think a lot of people are are covering up who they really are or they feel like exactly. i need to to be xyz to be accepted or, or in the system so then all of a sudden there's like this self-loathing and then this like i need this escapism to to be real and yeah exactly I mean, and it goes into and like i said like we kind of have these big categories where we think, oh, the, like, again, religion or other, like, strong structures. But as soon as, okay, so, like, being a mom, okay, am I going to be honest? I could never tell my kids what I was really like when I was a kid because then they'll think it's okay for them to do those things, right? So we create these same false structures in homes because we're afraid of losing power, losing control, or what somebody else might do. And we're all up in other people's domain and are not allowing 
the authentic expression of ourselves once we become married and mom uh, or our, our children. And so, I mean, when you get a new job, you walk into the job, it comes off the whole slew of, of societal norms. So it's all these little micro worlds that we're in that we have to take radical responsibility over I am sovereign and I am going to be who I truly am all the time. And I am not going to allow shame or guilt or anything like that for behaviors who are was before or who I am now or any of that to affect my expression yeah. of who I am. And I am not going to put shame and guilt on other people whose expression is not in alignment with my own. I'm going to just say, I accept you and keep walking and join a community that's more in alignment with who I truly am. Right? Yeah. And I think and that we would have healthier societies. Yeah. And it's not saying that there aren't levels of appropriateness, right? Like it's not no. saying that, you know, oh, well, if you're being the real you, then you would do X, Y, Z in front of children. No, we're, we're, we're not saying something like that. But what one example that I like to use that we've been talking about with the swamp, which is the idea of aging and body positivity. Hey, and like, yes. I think this translates perfectly this idea of that um you know the swamp which like embraces like the curves and the stretch marks and the you know whether you're thin or you're or you're bigger yeah. or whether you're aging or you're young and i think like there's in a lot of a lot of ways we forget that these are controlling mechanisms to try to glorify youth or to glorify like um cohesion and and glorifying one type of physical being and that's bullshit too it is i mean it and it's i think it's a huge aspect for women specifically or whether to have kids or not to have kids or to you know this like what should the 40 year old woman wear what should the 50 year old you know not wear like all of that it's bullshit and we have to but it's it's within ourselves to bring it down you know and i I think that that is where it's this deep, personal kind of shadow work. And again, our shadow work a lot of times is associated with negative aspects of our personality, like jealousy or anger or something like that, when really not being able to leave your house or feeling like you need to like put collagen in or look younger as you age is a shadow aspect of yourself and that you want to come in and say, okay, what is it about me that I am not, I'm not accepting. Mm -hmm. So I'm projecting the fear that other people are not accepting me. But the reality is, is I am not accepting me. And that's where we want to get into in those places. Also, not allow once we've made a decision not allowing ourselves to back out of decisions that we've made because we feel oh, for example going to college and getting a degree in one subject and then going i don't even want to do this and my parents put all the money for this degree and i've done all of this stuff and and now i if i'm going to be in real alignment with myself i don't want to be here i want to do something else and how that's a huge anarchy. It's an internal anarchy that will affect other people around you. And the courage and the work it takes to come back up and say, I am no longer in an with my yes. I said yes, and my yes has become a no. And now there's anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get ready to turn tear down this this system that I allowed to be built it's regardless of what it is yeah we know that over the door the temple delphi this you know know thyself and I do really yeah. feel like that is one of my most favorite magical axioms of this idea of like what is the most powerful thing that you can do as a witch um know thyself to be, do the shadow work, to be aware of who you are yeah. and understand from what place are you taking action? 
without exactly yeah and and then i love how you had mentioned before what that's going to allow is because when we judge others it's the shadow shows that that's an aspect of ourselves that we're either denying um or or harshly judging and so therefore this idea of like when we can show up authentically and when we honor our inner anarchist i guess Mm -hmm. it it gives acceptance to other people it does breed a more accepting society um when we're doing things out of alignment that then creates like this tension between all of the world around us because you know we don't know thyself or we're not honoring thyself or we're not being Mm -hmm. sovereign in our decisions and i think that the key is honoring that Uh, allowing other people to be who they are at that time in their life and recognizing like we can't say well you we put these stamps on people and then it's it's static like they're supposed to be that way forever like you know in a marriage i married this guy 25 years ago what he's supposed to be the exact same person 25 years later i'm supposed to be you're not who i married of course he's not And so you should be like reassessing, is this even the thing for us anymore? This is a huge anarchy to go, oh, I think we're at different places. And now we're going to have to like tear down this building. It's the tower, right? Like we're all jumping out of this, this thing that we built ourselves and going to let it burn to the ground and, and rebuild. And it takes you know, compassion, when somebody else comes to you and they're the one activating their anarchy and you're the one being affected by it, right? We want that compassion. We just want them to go, I know this is hard for you. (laughs) How can I support you through this transition, right? So we want to be really mindful that we are having compassion and that when I see somebody doing something that I would never do, or that's not in alignment with my will to like the judgment is a really a, also like what you said. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, like a, what is the word? I'm like a projection, right? But it can also be a, like an indicator or plumb line of just my level of judgment I'm holding within myself in general. Right. So maybe not even around this topic, but in other topics, right? So if I can press into having an unoffendable heart, like when we can have an unoffend, like I cannot be offended by another individual because you haven't, your choice to live the life the way you want to live is not a crime against me, right? And so why would I be, an offense is like, you've cut my eye out physically, you know, like you're attacking me. I'm offended. I'm going to come back at you, get you off of me. Right. But you just being you, even if, if it disrupts my, you know, day to day functioning, I'm going to have to readjust because of some decision that you have, uh, is should not, we want to press into having an unoffendable heart. So that we can allow grace and compassion as other people are also expressing their sovereignty and their private insurrections. And as we press into that, then we give ourselves so much freedom. So just like our judgment of other people is a reflection on our own yuckiness, our grace and compassion for other people is a reflection of our growth, right? and our own freedom. Yeah, and this all feels like it really leads to community. It leads to, I think we've been sold, I mean, we're in Texas here, so even I feel like more amplified this idea of rugged individualism. Oh yeah, and I grew up (laughs) seeped in that hardcore. Right. And it feels mm-hmm. like what we're talking about today really plays into honoring community and the fact that this, I keep coming back to the word consciousness, but this interweaving of um, lives and humans around us and how we're not just ruggedly individual and in that I take yeah. care of me and my own and that's it. And, you know, I Without exist compassion. in this bubble. Without yeah. compassion, it's impossible. Our mm-hmm. actions, you know, will always affect the world around us and 
the 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 idea of this way of um, living enhancing communities is really interesting to me. It is because you know several things about it. Um, it addresses and eliminates the negative aspects of communities that get kind of locked in. So if we're truly like, okay, so for example, we have a lot of up social upheaval, right? As we are addressing negative aspects of the community, the overarching large way of being in America that has been ingrained in law, right? So that's on a big scale. We are producing like, okay, we're going to just address these negative aspects of things. Okay, it allows for self introspection, deep introspection and discussion for why are these systems in place? Why are we still treating women this way? And how much of this is rooted in just tradition and old ways? And how much of it is, you know, for other reasons? And let's have a discussion. Is it time to tear down these systems? Have we changed as a whole? Right. And so when we're doing these private insurrections and these private anarchies, we're doing the same thing, this deep insurrection. I'm taking an assessment of my life right now. How much of it is truly am I doing because I'm happy and joyful and it's in alignment with who I am and how much of it is for other people? And we might need to have conversations with the other people and say, this is a negative element of the system that we've created, co-created, because there are no victims. There are co-creators. And if I am, um, no matter what the system is that I'm sitting in as a, a as a sovereign being, I co-created this system. So if my relationship is a hot mess, it's because I co-created it. If my, and a job that I don't like, I co-created it. And so how can we uncreate <laughs> or shift right? yes. what we created together? And I think people could be so conditioned to see that as quote, like a, maybe not victim blaming, but they could see that as, um, a negative thing. And I see it as a positive thing. I see mm -hmm. that once I accept, and this is part of being a witch to me. So we'll kind of start talking witchy stuff in a, in a sec, but part of this, witch is of being a witch to me is like recognizing that my role, my empowering role of being able to change things, because if, you know, I'm not a victim and I am a co-creator. That means that I have the ability that I don't have to wait for someone outside of myself to make change, which I think exactly. is an established way of doing things where it's like, well, if they start acting like this and they apologize and they do this, then it will be right. Or if they start treating me like this or mm, X, Y, dependent on other people's yeah, choices. And and I understand, like, I don't want this to be insensitive. I understand that because of oppressive systems, a lot of people have not had perhaps this, this privilege of being able to experience the breath of this. But the idea is that, like, we, that, that there's a way around the system to change this. It's, you know, and the thing that's really interesting is that absolutely, like, in the moment, there's a victim of a crime. When yeah. you are being robbed or injured or taken from or whatever, that is a crime. It's happening. It's real. You are, there is a perpetrator and a victim and that's a thing. But when we're talking about the larger system is the victim mentality, which is a yes. different thing. Yes. And that is something where we're saying, okay, no, I didn't co-create. No, you could maybe argue if you got really like ethereal and esoteric that you called in the <laughs> bad guy into your life because of the way you're right. thinking you're negative like you know that kind of stuff i think that gets pretty foggy pretty quick right and i want to say for whatever reason i was a true victim of this random crime or, you know of this thing yes when i am not actively in that moment anymore how I am thinking about and responding to and moving from that is whether or not Am I in a creator mindset or am I in a victim mindset? And as we're looking at um, just a channeling our power, which is really what all of this is about and taking back our power, uh, 
that is really where I can co-create with this is this bad thing as my foundation, really janky structures yeah. for the rest of my days. Or I can take this bad situation and use it as a pillar of finding my strength and my power and my things that I never thought about and new perspectives and build something really strong going forward. I love that. Thank you for sharing that distinction. Cause I know every time this concept yeah. comes up, it kind of returns to that. And it's like, no, 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 definitely not what we're talking mm -mm. about. Mm -mm. Two different mm -mm. things. Yeah. And so, but this idea of, of the internal sovereignty. So I want to talk to you about witchcraft and being sovereign as a witch. Like I, I know your story of, and we won't, have to go into it or anything, yeah. but you were like Christian fundamentalist and, and kind of left that identity and now identify as a witch. And to you, what does it mean to be sovereign in like your spiritual practice or your, your witchiness? You know, it was a big thing because it was a huge anarchy. I was a Baptist missionary in China and I was the executive director of a Christ-centered inner healing. And I was all in, I had four kids because I didn't believe in birth control, even though it's real and it exists. <laughs> and go buy it. <laughs> All right. Um, and I began to have these like internal questions. And my biggest, most powerful act of anarchy was the coming to this place where I was like, well, I don't think hell is a real, like it started with hell. It wasn't even like Jesus. It was like, I don't think hell really exists. This is a burning, you know, and I did it. And I came to that through the scriptures, right? And then I was like, well, if there's no hell, then there's no, and it was just like this, like, and then what am I being saved from? Why do I need to have, you know, any of this? And I sat on it and, and then I sat on it and I sat on it. And then I got a hold of, um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Jason Louvre, out of magicme.com. It's a fantastic teacher. And um, he started talking about like how to do a basic magic ritual. I was like, oh, I'm doing that every day. I sit down like with Jesus. I'm I'm invoking, you know, this entity, Jesus. I've got the scriptures, I've got the incense. I'm calling, you know, retelling all the bad the demons to get out and calling in the angels. Like I have been practicing magic for all these years is really what I've been practicing. And, and I went out and I went outside on a full moon and into the woods and stood below the moon. And I broke up with Jesus <laughs> and, and said, I'm stepping, this is not a rebellion against God at all. This is, because if you are who you say you are and all of these things are true, then you'll reveal it to me in the end. And if you're not, then you're not. And I am not rebelling against you. I don't know if you even exist and I can't rebel against something that I has no authority over me. Right. Um, and I stepped into, I stepped over a broom and into this realm of, uh, total tearing down of these systems. I said, I want my slate wiped clean. If I just landed here on this planet without anything except for me and nature, what would I believe? And what would my gifts be? And what would my power be? And how would I find it? How would I discover it? Okay. And the next step was to go tell all my peeps, I don't believe in hell. And everyone was like, <laughs> now what? Because it makes other people, when we step into our power and begin practicing what we naturally are, other people get uncomfortable because it questions their beliefs and you start triggering their stuff, right? And I just began practicing um, I really dived into the Druidic path and into the path of Celtic paganism and felt like I found home. I felt like I found home. And then the irony was I uh, found my great grannies, two of my great grannies' pots, <laughs> pots, 
<laughs> cauldron pot. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I burn it every day. I am like deep, bring me into whatever it is that I am at a soul core level and help me to continually seek out. And it takes magic to break through a lot of these internal barriers to, and we have to, we have to draw on our ancestors and our mothers and the, the goddesses and the guidance available to us. Hecate really called out to me as a, you know, women and children and just kind of through this like dark space of pushing out and the crossroads and the keys. And so finding that archetype, that goddess, that kind of role model that the thing I love so much about, uh, especially within Celtic paganism, but within witchcraft as a whole or within the concepts of feminist, feminine spirituality, uh, I feel weird with the phrase witchcraft because I still think I have it like, well, I don't think I perceive it as being an accusation by Christians. You're practicing witchcraft when it's I think it's something much deeper than that. And I think that we are by nature something very powerful and 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 it's not liked by systems. And anytime you act in it from as little thing as like saying cuss words when you're not supposed to. The, okay, for, by way of example, the Amish girl who does not put her hair in a bun is practicing witchcraft. <laughs> okay? Like that's how it's The word in has been, yeah. Yeah, like it's in systems, right? And, and witchcraft really being identified with an act being a decisive action outside of the projected norm and magic being this natural byproduct of what we are as women. I don't know what we are, but we are something so incredible and so powerful. And when I began practicing the wheel of the year privately, right. And having, like, I started that first year, it's like four years ago. It was right near my birthday, which is in October. And I did a, my very first, uh, kind of ritual for my birthday. And then I have faithfully had solitary ritual following the, the wheel of the year for three years now. And I have just like manifested change, you know? And so your anarchy by itself, sovereignty separated from magic, I think does look violent because you have no other thing, but it's like, it, it, it has to be because you, you don't have access to your power of to speak and create. Right. And so yeah. all you have is the power available to you to tear physically tear down systems. When we're stepping into our magic, we're recognizing that, oh, wait, I don't have to touch anything for these systems to crumble. That right? is, yeah, and I know, you know, I'm, it's the feminine in general, you know, accessible in all gendered people, but it's the idea of honoring this aspect of, like, the magic does feel very feminine to me because it's mm -hmm. ethereal and it's not logical and it's not forceful and it's not um, linear, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and so I feel like... The, something that people have a hard time to understand with sovereignty is this idea that perhaps you, like we do have witches at the studio who are do, who are Christian or who are Buddhist or who, yeah. you know, have different um, religious belief systems. But what I love about my talks with them is like, that is not, it's that, that is a belief system them that supports them that does not dictate their life and they do not mm. they are not fearing the word witch or they're not fearing like yeah. that, that they can't they can't have beliefs that extend beyond that and to me yeah. that's sovereignty in witchcraft and that's sovereignty in your spirituality which is this understanding that there's not one earth born person that knows it all that understands like the knows anything 
that, right. This like this idea that like a guru or a priest uh, or a you know a spiritual yes they can guide you spiritually, but like you have to sovereignly find your own truth and what works for you and uncover your own innate magic. That's why you know people people love systems though. Bluebird, it's so I get okay, it. we do. I, I do. I create yeah. systems all the time, but yeah. you know it's funny like having this. Being in a know thy true self, where am I right? Because my true self is changing continually based yes. on my circumstances and other people around me. And so it's not like, well, I've always liked this, you know, maybe when you were little but, or even 10 years ago or like, and, and these, these crazy things that we build. So I, you know, we build these businesses and what if one day I'm just like, well, I don't want to do it anymore. It would be an anarchy because I already paid for it and I already did all this <laughs> stuff and I put all the work into it and all the effort into it. And you can't just stop. You have to. Right. And, and we put that on ourselves so much and, and within the systems that we are in. So I can be a witch and be in Christianity because it's not. It's, it's, it's the space of your, it's all inside your own head. What is allowed and what isn't allowed inside of your mind, right? And a lot of times that deeply reflects the community that you're in. But sometimes there's like, you know, you're in a loophole in your community, right? And so I, yeah, I'm in this Christian community, but uh, I don't have a conflict in my head. And it's so the, there's no conflict. So there's no rebellion. There's no, there's no insurrection to be had. Yes. I think there's right? an idea. Yes. Having, creating personal systems, containers for us that su feel supportive um, yeah. towards our growth versus having systems that tell us what to do. Tell me what to believe. It's, tell me this is right. Like we get it a lot. Like, well, tell me, do, do I believe this or that? tell me like, this is the right answer. And I have to say at the studio a lot, especially in our witchy, um, our witchy classes and workshops that like, there is not one system for everyone. There is not one belief system. Yeah. Things are going to resonate. Like, for example, I am not a green witch. You are a very good green witch. Um, but so that there's, we're going to find different resonance practices yeah. and beliefs and, and, and things that work for us. And to me, that's the difference of a religion that is like, you believe this and you don't believe this and anything outside of it is wrong. To me, that's like, whoa, that is not yeah. sovereignty that, you know, that is not holding like mm -hmm. personal truths. That's just being spoon fed. And that's when you can tell the difference. People who are like at your door trying to force a belief system on you. To me, that's the biggest red flag where it's yeah, like any kind of dogmatism. Period. Yes. Yeah. Being dogmatic across the board, demanding that other people see it the way you see it yeah. and that they're in alignment with what you think is the right way to be is, is, you know, that's, that is power and control systems that we have to come up against. And as we are really, again, it kind of comes back to, I should be creating my own spirit. I'm creating my whole, whole worldview. What is my world? You know, I've homeschooled and home birthed and, you know, just done all of this stuff where I'm like, okay, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to think how, who, who, what kind of, how do I want to parent? What do I think is right? You know, what do I, and I'm not going to do things just because of a certain way of doing it, but we have to come inward and create what's my philosophy on education what is my philosophy on work what is my philosophy on magic and witchcraft which is a really interesting one because like there's three different ways like you can look at like all the entities all the goddesses all the stuff all the all the stuff Spirits. out there that we work with right do you believe that they are sovereign beings with sovereign wills that you are responding to do you believe that they are archetypes and thought forms that you have 
you know, some interaction with or that everybody's believed. So like we are working with these thought forms and they're nothing more than that. Or do you believe that they are somehow you projected into the realms, right? And where you land is going to shape your way of the, the flavor of your magic or your witchcraft. And if you are landing on they are sovereign beings, then you're in worship. That's where I'm like, okay, I worship Hecate. And if I don't do X, Y, or Z, she is not going to work with me or she might get mad at me and go do her own thing, right? Or do I think Hecate is a thought form that I can, you know, kind of get into an archetype and like she has no power, no control over me, but I'm like channeling this thought form or is Hecate me? Right. An aspect of myself. And all three of those will. So our foundational belief systems are really important for us to establish. Know thyself. And no one can what? tell you which of those three. There's not like that's it, the right answer. There is exactly. no right answer. It's your own. And that is something where people like minds are blown. People who are raised in religion saying like, <laughs> no, this is the answer. This is not the answer. You just oh. proposed three you know, three different ways of approaching deity worship or deity connection or uh -huh. you know, spiritual connection. And I can say that I've experienced it in all three different ways. So I know. I, and know. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know because I would tell you Jesus came to me and that he's, yep. you know, like, and I don't know what happened. And I know that I never did channel Hecate, but girl, she was there and <laughs> I didn't ask her to come, <laughs> you know, and so I don't know, but we also don't understand our own mind and we don't really understand where we are or what we are at all. And because of that, we, everything is occulted. Everything is what we want it to be. Everything is, you look at this way and it's this way. And if you look at it that way and it's another way and we can create the reality, we are magic. And so much of it is what's going on inside of us that when we begin to step out of the systems that we've created and that were created around us and for us, it's terrifying because we don't have, and that's part of what homespun wisdom is about skill sets. We don't trust our own intuition. We don't trust that we'll find our yes or no in our body. We want someone to come to me and tell me, how do I make a spell for prosperity? When I should be able to go, okay, I'm going to just pray into this. And as this, I'm going to trust that whatever comes to me is going to be what the spirit wants me or whatever's going on out there wants me to do for, to manifest this thing. And it doesn't have to be like go on Google and find the stone and the herb and the incense and the whatever formula to get that. I can be like, okay, um, if I didn't have any of those things, how would I connect with the realm around me to call in that which I'm wanting to create? And how do I call out of myself the belief that I have the power to speak it into existence. Abracadabra, as I speak, I create. Do you really believe this? I mean, it's it's a thing. It is real. And the more we trust ourselves. So I think that's the difference between really young people on the path and older people in the path is that we've, the longer we've been on it, the longer we've been at it, the more we recognize Oh, this is just a byproduct of what I am. I don't have to do anything, really. At the end of the day, uh, if I speak it, I create it, right? And if I don't even have to cleanse and all of that, I can be like, get out. You're not welcome here. That's enough. My word is enough. I know my authority. I'm authority. I am the authority over this realm, over this realm, and no one is going to come in and challenge my authority. I am the final authority on myself. And when we step into that, we step into power.
is. And I think it takes time to get there. I think it does. And not, you know, you were not there when you were 20 years old or what, you know, so it's all a process. And I think doing the spells and then learning that you can sovereignly create your own spells and then realizing how little you actually need um, of the spells. It is like an entire process. And I feel like, yeah, this is like a great kind of way to kind of start wrapping it up because that was such a perfect bow bow on what we talked about. But I just feel like something I want to come back to real quick is this idea that we are conditioned to think that if we change our minds or we change our path, or if we are a different person from when we were five years ago, that for some reason that's bad or we were wrong. And you're admitting that you were wrong back then. And I think that that could be some of the most unhealthy, destructive, self-destructive ways of thinking. Because when I look at someone who's the same person from when they were 18 to 78, I feel bad for them because it means that you really didn't take that time in between to to shift perspectives and see things differently. There's no way that, you know, you are one version your entire life. So not that you need permission from us, but be, I think just this awareness that we change and we shift and our internal anarchy is there to help us, you know, navigate to, to higher, to higher potential. It is. And it's imperative that I think that getting away from the language of good decisions and bad decisions are right or wrong and just say, that's where I was then. And now I'm in a new place. And so in light of where I'm at now, uh, and why I, what I've learned about the decision that I made then, um, how has my will changed and what am I wanting now to express? And so letting not, not recognizing that our yeses can become no's. It's that simple. And that where we are a maybe, we should land on no. If I can't feel it in my body, then I'm going to hold off a minute and let my yes be yes and my no be no. And so I think being really decisive action, another aspect of that sovereign witch is she's not like looking back. She's not looking back. Yeah. Period. You wouldn't have gotten in space. Yeah. You wouldn't have gotten to where you were without those prior experiences. There is Mm. no, you were, you were born at the ultimate, you know, space of what you're going to become. You need to, to ebb and flow and have cycles and, and an experience for that compassion that we talked about before in order for us to like move, move forward on our journey and not just remain stagnant. So you put it so well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I could talk talk about it all day long. We could. We're going to have you back on for sure. Um, But um, in the interest of trying to keep these at a manageable time, I want people to, to maybe leave some comments wherever they see this or hear this and like, tell us what you want Bluebird to, to chat more about next time. Um, but I have some final questions for you. So, um, the first question we ask all of our guests is what is your personal mantra or source of daily inspiration? So my right now, the hearth is really has been for quite some time. Um, the the sacred hearth of the home and so this kind of space here and then i have a kitchen altar but the kitchen and this apothecary are really my space uh, my sacred space and the mantra that i have been working with and i wrote it down just because it's um but it is this idea of being watched over by my ancestors by mama crone right Um, and the creation of magic, the pleasure of my own company, and quiet, step-by-step, heartfelt, practical magic that is positive, productiveness, and provides perpetual provision forever. It's that quiet, step-by-step, heartfelt, practical magic every day. That's my life. Just get in here and get quiet and decisive action every day 
quietly based on where I'm at this moment and allowing for my decisions that I made yesterday to no longer stand today, if that's what need be. And recognizing that I always have the power of changing transformation systems, myself, and anything around me at my little thing. <laughs> love it. That's, that's, that's consciousness and that's owning your magic. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite sensuous indulgence? Oh, outside water, nighttime, frogs, you know, swamp witch, swamp witch realness, swampy shit. I really do <laughs> love to go to Krause Springs. Uh, if you haven't ever been out there, but at nighttime, specifically in the Rudy Rudy part where all of the water kind of comes to slow down and you're just surrounded in this um, roots and the earth. And it's just very, I don't know. It was funny when you said the swamp witch to me, because I was like, wow, you know, I had just made a post not too long ago about how the heat somehow reminds me of my father in a very sweet and tender way. And I hate the heat. I'm not, out, you know, I'm not interested in it like this, but there's something about a hot, sultry space that's very sensuous to me, you know? I agree with that. It's very feral. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay, final one. What does living fully in your power as a witch look like to you? Taking daily assessment every day and never feeling like I am trapped. Mm -hmm. There is no decision that has been made that cannot be unmade. And there is no desire out there that I want to bring in that cannot be brought in. And so living in that is like really this constant, like figuring out the mechanisms within myself where I'm limiting myself and my belief and my power and my magic. And that is my, yeah. I love it. Uh, such a beautiful, magical, empowering conversation, Bluebird. I always learn so much. so much from you. Um, and I am just so grateful that I don't even remember how the universe brought us together, but it's been, it was years ago and yeah. I'm just so grateful to call you a friend. Now I look up to you and love you dearly mm. and we'll have to have you come to a workshop with us again soon. It's been too long. I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. I love you too. I respect you so much and the work that you're doing. So blessings to all of your peeps. Oh, yes. Thank, thank you so much, Bluebird. And thank you, everyone who joined us. Mwah. Bye. <laughs> thank you for joining me for the Minx and Muse podcast. You can find show notes and learn more about the studio at www.minxandmuse.com. As a reminder, it is our birthright to transform, expand, and safely exist as sensual, conscious, and empowered creatures. I'll see you next time.